0: Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Dudes and Drinks podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about railroading and why it's an important topic. If you're new to D&D and or if you don't know what railroading is, don't worry. We'll give you guys a brief explanation here soon. But before we get into that, let's get into uh, what we're drinking today. Today, um, I'm joined by Tyler and Brad. So, uh, Tyler, what are you drinking?
1: I am drinking a Yingling flight, and then I will Ooh. be getting an Oktoberfest after this. How
0: are the flights? I've seen a bunch of advertisements.
1: Flights are pretty good. Are they? are they're, they're, they're not bad. They're 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 lighter than the normal Yingling, but they're they're not like the the taste really isn't lost that much.
0: They're not water like Miller Light.
1: Yeah, <laughs> they're a little watery. Like you, you you like you you definitely don't have a strong aftertaste. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a light beer, but, so... Yeah. No, I was... It's I was, not awful.
0: I was walking um my dog this morning, and the recycling gets put out for Thursday mornings. And I walked past one of my neighbor's houses, and their recycling bin was just filled to the brim with Miller Lite. And it, it's, it's the first thing that went through my mind was, well, they're hydrated.
2: <laughs>
0: but... Yeah, I kind of chuckled myself, and then I kept walking. There was a lot of beer cans, though. Like, I don't know if they just are like beer, or if that was just kind of, like, filled up over a period of time. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> um, I am drinking a whiskey sour. Um, I made it, like, over an hour ago, because I thought we were going to start, like, an hour ago. But... And so I'm a little deep into it already. But yeah, it's a a staple that I like to make. Um, I think I I have talked about them before on the podcast. I know Larry definitely has. Um, But it's basically just, I think probably like two or three shots of whiskey. And then uh, a couple splashes of lime juice, a couple splashes of lemon juice, uh, a splash or two of grenadine, uh, some simple syrup. All of that thrown in a shaker with some ice, you shake the shit out of it, and then um, you pour in a glass with more ice and throw the cloves of soda in there after you're done shaking, because if not, it will explode. But yeah, pretty good. Um, Brad, what are you drinking?
2: Today, I have a wine. It's called Guardians Separev. Sepravi Interesting around, like that.
0: Is it red or white?
2: It's red hmm. I saw the label And I thought the girl on the front looked really pretty So I got it It's cool because she has a sword nice. well, She could probably kill me
1: Shit.
2: She could definitely kill me She has a sword, I don't You
1: <laughs>
0: Yes, Tyler <laughs>
1: Brad would impulse buy anything if there's a pretty woman with a sword on it.
2: I mean, literally, yeah. (laughs) I'm not going to deny it.
0: I mean, to be fair, well, not exactly the same kind of boat. But, like, um, I know some people who, like, went out shopping for wine. Like, they have their favorites. They like what they like. um, But if they just want to try something new, they literally just pick based off the label. They're like, oh, that's a cool label. And so they get it. Like I'm exa- not
2: immune to marketing.
0: <laughs> an example of that is, um, my mom is huge on horses. Like she like worked at a stables growing up and stuff like that. So like she's like a lot of the horse branded wines she's tried. So like Dark Horse, which actually is pretty good. Um, Fourteen Hands is another one she's done. Um, yeah. So no, uh, good marketing is uh, will get you pretty far. But yeah, so, um, enough about wine and alcohol, let's get into our topic for tonight. So we are talking about railroading and what it is and kind of, we're going to go into that. So to start us off, let's, uh, let's go over it. What exactly railroading is. So I have up right now the Merriam-Webster definition of it. Now, this isn't going to be the exact kind of uh, fit for D&D, but that definition of railroading is to force something to be officially approved or accepted without much discussion or thought. Um, And so that is the general kind of definition of the term. And so within D&D, it kind of follows the same idea. The act of railroading is whenever the DM pushes the players to do something or discourages the players to either take an action or um, do certain things. Uh, At least that's my take on it. Do you guys have any other uh, alterations to that or better emphasis? i describe
2: it a little bit differently.
0: Okay, go ahead because I'm not good at English today for whatever reason
2: I call it more like ignoring the efforts by the player to engage with their own agency so to break that down a bit I think railroading isn't always bad Um, I feel like a lot of times you need to railroad sometimes in order to tell the appropriate story
0: Okay. Um, Yeah.
2: One of the most obvious situations that I think most people would agree that railroading is all right is at the very beginning of a campaign, whenever you're trying to, you know, get everybody introduced to each other and you're trying to set the scene, set the environment, set the story. A lot of the times you don't really introduce a whole lot of, you know, player choice at that moment. And if the players want to go do something at the very beginning uh, I do think it's appropriate to kind of say, no, you can't do that because that's not, you know, what the story is going to allow for. Okay. Now, that's very different from railroading later on, whenever you start denying them, you know, choices and agency um, within your story. Okay. So if, if I plan a story like, yeah, we're going to go, you know, deal with like the war effort between these two cities. And they're like, well, screw that. I want to go to the elemental plane of fire. I think as a DM, you're allowed to railroad and say, no, that's not where this story can go. Because number one, I only have so much time to prepare for it. Number two, that's not the story I want to tell. So if they want to go and do that, well, that's fine. But now you're going to have to like take that out of game and rework your campaign structure. Yeah, you know? I
0: actually but- saw an example of that. Um, I forget where, but and I don't know if I'm going to be able to uh, dictate exactly what it was. But basically, the recommendation that it was a, someone, a DM, uh, talking about how players are kind of like, oh, it was talking about how their campaign is very heavily focused on um, going like something between altering between the planes or something like that. And he was worried that when the players reached a certain level and got the shift spell, that it was going to break the campaign. And he brought it up in a post on Reddit. And someone brought up a really good point that like, yeah, you can railroad them and say that like the plane shift spell just doesn't work and you can't take it. Or you just don't give them the components for it. Sure, if they don't want to plane shift to the plane of fire, yeah, go ahead. You can take plane shift at a spell. You just got to find a uh, tuning fork attuned to the plane of fire now. So that'd be a way to kind of mitigate and kind of railroad in a way that makes sense, if that makes sense.
2: Mm-hmm. Whenever it comes to railroading, you know, it often gets like a really bad rap, but there are appropriate times to use it. So, other than you know the, the you know beginning of a campaign and the social contract type stuff, uh, bad railroading is either ignoring the players' actions or you know telling them they can't do things that would generally make sense. A lot of this comes down to that like social contract type aspect, mm-hmm. uh, which. Pretty much everything in D&D does, really. Um, how, how, as a DM, though, do you make sure that your players stay on track so you don't have to take it out of game and tell them that, no, you can't do that because that's not what the game allows? Um, to put it in another way, how do you tell the party about things and make sure that they're aware what is important and what is not? So... As far as
0: that goes, I feel like there is a kind of there is a balance because as players, whenever a DM is describing a world and describing different things within it, they tend to latch and I'm saying this as I'm as from a player's perspective, we tend to latch on to when the DM gets a little gets descriptive and kind of goes into detail, which I think is a bit of an issue because sometimes the DM likes to add detail into the world just to make it feel a bit more lively and a feel a bit more kind of just to add a little spice to it if you will um and so i think being able to describe things in a way that is that makes it clear that something is important where something else isn't i think is something that is important but i also think that the dm needs to be able to turn the players away from something whenever they start when they if they latch on to something because you're descriptive the DM needs to be able to guide the players away from that if they get
2: a little too focused if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. yeah so whenever as a general tactic uh, whenever I describe something as a DM, your players go into the game and the situation with this expectation. Um, of what already is, and then you as a DM, you're describing how whatever they're experiencing kind of like goes against that expectation. So if I walk into a tavern, I don't need to really describe what the tavern is, what the tavern looks like, how the tavern works, because the players kind of already know that. What you have to do as a DM is explain why this particular tavern is interesting or different. So obvious cases, Describe the bartender, uh, describe the people in the bar, you know, maybe describe some of the different types of drinks. All of these things are unique to this particular tavern. Tavern. It would be a total waste of time to talk about what the floorboards look like, what the tables look like, how it's lit. Like, unless it's important to describe those things, honestly, you could probably just skip over it. Okay. If I say you walk into a tavern, you have this picture of a tavern in your mind, um, there's a funny meme that goes around on Twitter every once in a while where there's there's like the joke where it's like, you know, like like a mathematician walks into a bar. And they always say that every single time you hear a joke in that structure where somebody walks into a bar, you picture the same bar. And I think the same thing applies to D&D. Every time you walk into a tavern, the, the players typically picture the same tavern. And it doesn't really matter too much at the end of the day. Um, as long as you're effective at describing what's different.
0: Yeah. And like like you said, like everyone pictures the same tavern unless the DM gets more descriptive. Like Mm -hmm. if it's a more run down tavern, getting into like describing the beer soaked floorboards that are sticky to step on and like
2: kind of getting in depth like that. Yeah, I mean color words are fine and all. And you know, like like Matt Mercer and stuff, they do it on critical role all the time, lots of colour words. Um But it takes a lot of time. It gets a little bit distracting. I I think less is more whenever it comes to using a lot of detail. Gotcha. Um,
0: Color words. That's the first time I've heard that. But I like it because
2: I I tend to use color words when I'm DMing, I've noticed. (laughs) The the real term is called adjective. Um, But I'm dumb, so I call them color words because colors are adjectives. Wow. (laughs) I feel a little betrayed. Yeah, it's the first time you heard it because I'm dumb and probably
0: the only person who uses it. Well, because, like, adjectives aren't adjectives, but I feel like using color words means it seems like you're jazzing it up more than adjectives would. Anyway, um,
2: yeah, I – anyway,
0: moving on from that.
2: Mm -hmm. So, Tony, a long time ago we were talking about something that Matt Mercer does where he inserts – like, you know, if if there's, like, a bookcase or something – and the player's like, I want to look at the bookcase. And, you know, he'll kind of throw in this like meme or something uh, yeah. referencing like one particular book uh, that he can kind of draw back onto. And then immediately after that, the players are aware that that's kind of a meme. And as soon as they notice that this book is part of that meme, they know that that's about end of the line for it. Exactly. Because... Yeah, they
0: they, they laugh yeah. at the joke because it's an ongoing joke. Yep. They have Maybe. fun with it and then they move on and they stop fixating on it. Mm -hmm. And I think that is a really good tactic that it, I can't advise to try and kind of shoehorn that in because it's got to – having something like that work naturally works better. So like if something becomes a joke as throughout your campaign, then feel free to start using that as you're kind of like, oh, it's just this again. Laugh it off, yep. move on, type of thing. You can't like, like I said, shoehorn it and kind of force it because if you force it in the wrong way, the player is going to pick up on it as a pattern now instead of a joke, and they're going to fix on fixate on fixate yep.
2: on it even more. I think one of the important parts is signifying that something is not important. Um, making something a joke is a very good way at showing that something's not important. Um, kind of giving like a, a brief conclusion to a potential plot line is another good way to signify that something's not important. So if maybe you're walking down the street and you start describing the different people around um, and maybe you, you notice like a shady looking man in the corner, um, the players may be like, oh, he might have something important to say. Let's go talk to him. But if you're just like, oh, no, 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 he's not actually important. I was just trying to set the scene. They'll go talk to him. And one of the things you can do is just be like, hey you know like i'm looking i'm looking to, to sell something you know is that is that something you guys are interested in and the party's like oh shit well i don't want that and then they'll just stop interacting with them as long as they stay distant from what the party's goals are they're probably just not going to pursue it
1: exactly yeah like with the bookshelf if you were to just like if a, if a character were to search a bookshelf and you were to list off like like 10 books of like of like varying different fucking topics then they're probably not going to fixate on any one because unless if it unless if it is very close to what the, their
2: current objective is but yeah. it's really really hard to tell what the players are going to find relevant to their particular topic so maybe they're hunting down like a dragon or something and then they find like a fairy tale type book like a like you're like haha funny kids book but then they're like oh shit fairy tales you know what if that's gonna give us like a hint or like a prophecy yeah. towards what the dragon's up to i'm talking so to be like, really I'm,
1: I'm talking like farming like like <laughs> yeah, if they sure, find
2: sure. a book yeah like you know what i mean like if they find a book
1: like mining or like or like farming or like i don't know just like just like rent like 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 swordsman training or something like that like they're probably not gonna like somebody might take that book because it's coal at swordsman training but they probably wouldn't take it to help them in the fight against the dragon yeah
0: yeah another another good example of kind of redirecting the players is to um for example say the players go to a tavern to meet to meet with someone and they're like they go in they see someone that matches the same race description as the person they're supposed to meet and so they fixate on that person and then approach them as if they're the person they're looking for um you could then have that person uh that the players approach then redirect them be like um not that person but if you're looking for them, go talk to this guy type of thing that'd be another good way of kind of redirecting the players
2: Mm
0: -hmm. i said person a lot there and i'm realizing that now
2: i don't think that'd be a (laughs) Mm. so then let's talk a little bit about player initiative and how the DM has a role in kind of setting up plot hooks and guiding the players, um, but at the same time giving them freedom to kind of tell their own story. Okay. So, I mean, different groups have different, different wants, really. Um, I know plenty of groups who are like, yeah, I want like a total sandbox world to go and like take on my own initiative. I'm very inter- uh, interested in the world that you've built, and I want to kind of explore it at my own agency. But then there's also other groups who are like, yeah, I I just kind of want like a specifically refined story. You know, this is the story I want to tell, and I want the DM to facilitate it. Um, The evil campaign that we're currently uh, working on, and we've talked about a little bit on the podcast, that's honestly a pretty well-defined story. For the most part, I don't think the players are looking for all that much agency. We're more interested in like this one particular plot thread. So, we don't need like a whole world to explore and freedom and plot hooks. Like, we just kind of need to be like pushed along a little bit um, to tell the story, set the tone, and, you know, explore our characters within this particular environment.
0: Yeah. The players still have their own agency of getting to decide how they handle the challenges they encounter. But again, kind of not spoon-feeding, but presenting the next plot point in an easily accessible manner, so the players don't have to go searching for it, is a good way of ensuring that the players, when they want a very task and story-driven campaign, it ensures that they know what to do next.
2: hmm And then sometimes you'll have, like, passive players in those, you know player-driven groups. And that's where plot hooks come in. And sometimes you have to get a little bit aggressive with the plot hooks. Um, you know, sometimes you just got to, like, give them urgent situations that need to be addressed now. Because if, the you know, the players don't have that kind of agent or that um, urgency, they, they just, just never get done. Aren't going to do anything. Yeah. So this really depends on what your group is looking for and at the same time how your group just kind of plays. You know, and... That's just something that you learn as time goes on as a DM, you know. Yeah. Just so try to keep your characters engaged.
1: So this is weird for the discussion on on urgency. Right? I tie urgency to plot hooks and I believe every single like every single like like nail in the board plot hook should have urgency. Should have some sort of urgency because if it didn't then like like, you know then what's going to drive it but like there there there's definitely ways for non-plot hook like non-non-plot based hooks like just like adventuring hooks that aren't tied to the actual plot to not have urgency or to you know what i mean so like i i feel like i feel like i feel like every plot hook should mostly have urgency behind it of some degree
2: I'd say for the most part, most of them will. Um, definitely not all of them, but you know, I'd say you know a little bit of urgency is really good because then that drives home like the decision of like, well, do we do this? Do we not do this? Yeah. And there's you know consequences to either of those.
0: That I feel like that would also come down to um, again the two type of campaign campaigns you are playing. So on the one hand, with the very story driven kind of. Um, not much wiggle room type of campaigns those ones are going to be the ones with a lot more urgency to each of the plot points because the players are going to, want to go and do them whereas if you have a more open world sandboxy type environment kind of like what my one campaign is right now having these little plot hooks and just motivations that aren't urgent it's more acceptable to have them in that environment just because since it is more open world the players have their own er- agency and so like if they get a downtime they're like oh yeah we have this that we can do let's go check it out type of thing again you don't want too much of that though because then it feels like skyrim with a mile long quest
1: log that you never touch see i would actually reverse what you said oh really yeah I would say for very fine-tuned short stories, urgency is less important. As long as everybody involved is there for the same reason, I get that you, you. You do not need to have extreme urgency on a plot for a one-shot. Like there, there doesn't have to be urgency there, because everyone's there. The, to play the that, urgency yeah. is brought along with the shortness of the time frame, like, like the, the the actual like out of game time is the urgency pushing them so the plot could the plot hook or like the, the hook for that could be as like as little urgent i like guess as, as, as little bit of urgent and and as like 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 90% of the party might not give a fucking shit about the hook but will they still do it most likely because they only have <laughs> four hours there's to there's a do it. yeah because it's a short you know what i mean so I would say I would say cut out of the urgency like like the, the I would say the the time to cut out of the urgency would definitely be in times in like in very time constrained like like stories, but like for bigger open world sandboxes, I would say urgency is the most important because then then you get people being lost in like Skyrim logbooks of Skyrim quest books of like of like thirty different fucking quests that they have like like just pulling every paper like like. Like, Witcher pulling every paper off the fucking quest board, <laughs> and then just forgetting about them. Kind yeah. Of you know, like, I would say urgency, like, for open world, is what is the driving factor that makes it a more straight, It uh, makes it, um, is, is what truly defines the plot itself.
2: Yeah, yeah I would agree with that, Tyler. Because, like, the urgency ties directly in with, like, the consequence, and... Yeah. Consequence is also a lot less important in a one shot because you know it, it, it's one time. You know, like whatever happens happens, and that's the end of it. Uh, you don't have to like deal with those consequences. You know,
1: yeah. Like like with like with Brad's treasure hunt one, it's like there was no urgency because we we showed up to a we showed up to a tomb. There there really wasn't much urgency because anybody could have went in there. Yeah. And yeah. then there there wasn't much consequence because. Like, we're, we're raiding a tomb, and we only have... And, like, yeah, like, we're only going to have our characters for this session, so if we die in the tomb, it's whatever, you know? Yeah. Like, there's... Yeah. So and it's,
2: it's not like there was much alternative either, because if you didn't yeah. go into the tomb, well, guess what? We're not playing d d today, so... Yeah. <laughs>
1: like, that, that's it. I mean...
0: No, yeah, that makes sense. So,
1: yeah, I guess so... the... Yeah. Yeah. Like, like te- technically, both have urgency, one is just in game narrative urgency and one is out of game let's get the ball rolling urgency yeah <laughs> like both of them have urgency because urgency is what drives people to do things like urgent like like stress and and like like the feeling of like just needing to do stuff is what makes stuff happen so like so both both need urgent like both both need both both plots need urgency to happen just different types just one in game and one out of game and i would say preserve the in game for for uh for actual campaigns and serve out of game for one shots because like then then you get into the uh it's it's like it, you get into the uh um the thought of uh I would say the like, like the thought of um of of general like, I forget the term it, there, there's a specific coin term for it but like but like why does magic work oh because it's magic kind it's of magic i ain't got to explain it, shit yeah like like wait, what the hell like what's the term you know what i'm talking about uh
0: what a MacGuffin! A MacGuffin?
1: The hell's a MacGuffin?
0: It's like a, am I saying that word right, Brad? Where it's just something that like, um, oh, collect these three gems to be to to be able to defeat
2: the demon king type of thing. Yeah, yeah. The MacGuffin is like an arbitrary object or item or something that is like the secret, all powerful thing to solve all your problems. That's that's like a MacGuffin. Oh, oh, sure oh d- d- Just like about. just
1: like a pure trigger for the plot.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. How, how, what were you explaining again? Uh, Do you explain it one more time? Uh.
1: So like. Um. So so like. Uh. Oh 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 oh. Um um. Uh. Disbelief. What the fuck is it? Uh, Suspension. Suspended. Suspension of disbelief. It's like why does magic work? A DM's like, oh, well, it's magic. That's why it works. Yeah. Or, or you like, don't or, need or, like, an explanation or, for everything. Yeah, you just kind of have yeah. to like so, roll with it. Yeah. So for like for like shorter like time constrained campaigns, I'm like the suspension of disbelief. Everybody comes in with a suspension of dis- disbelief, and if you don't, then I mean, have doing? fun being bored. For <laughs> have fun have fun roaming around the desert when everybody else is gonna be in a tomb. Like, like, why are we at this tomb? Oh, because you're at this tomb. Oh, well, I'm going to go this way. It's like, all right, t- see you later. <laughs> all right, see you <laughs> like, at <leave> the table. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I think one shot... I, I think the plot is completely driven by a suspension of disbelief and out-of-game time constraints. Yeah, it, it, It's like, why are we at this tomb? Oh, uh, because we are. All right, that's good enough for me. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Cool. So, I would definitely put... Like if you want a plot to be formed in your campaign, you need to have urgency behind it, or it's never gonna really get anywhere.
0: Yeah. So with like stemming off the topic of topic of urgency, um when when would you split or draw the line, I guess is the better term, between adding urgency to your campaign and railroading your players when does that line
2: get crossed that's pretty easy um urgency is addressing something so you don't have to deal with the consequences of not doing it so you know oh my gosh you know uh you know the blacksmith has been kidnapped you know if we go and deal with it well guess what you know we might save the blacksmith if we don't deal with it well you know the the blacksmith might get killed and I don't want the blacksmith to get killed. Therefore, that is now an urgent task for me to do. I think that has nothing to do with railroading. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think urgency. See, the difference
1: between urgency and railroading is uh, is I would consider urgency that your party does not care about railroading like if you if you introduce an urgent topic with a with a deadline behind it that that has absolutely no drive for the party yet you still force them down the path because it's urgent because it sounds urgent then that would be railroading i, I like the, the best way to not railroad with urgency is making the characters care about the topic that you're applying a timeline to you know like, like like you need to be making something urgent that your players need to be caring about because if you don't then you're just forcing them to care about it yeah you know like i, I think that's the big difference in between uh urgency and railroading is is if the players actually care about the topic or not because <laughs> if they care about it and they do it that that that, that is player driven like urgency like like hey I need to do this because I care about it but then if you if you introduce a topic or urgency and your players don't care about it yet they still do it they're gonna be they're gonna be dragging their fucking feet through it because they don't want to be doing it. All
0: right guys I think that about covers what we wanted to talk about today in terms of railroading and player agency and urgency. Uh, thanks again for joining us. Please check out our Twitter and Discord. Our Twitter is at dudes and drinks and. Our Discord is on our Twitter. So please join. Give us a shout out. Give us a holler. And uh, we'll see you guys next time.